0: Hello listeners, coming back from the holidays, Dalton and I decided to record virtually and uh, we ended up having a little bit of technical difficulties, so the sound quality is not as nice as it normally is, but the episode is still really fun. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Cheers. Fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon.
0: Welcome to another episode of The Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And today we are here talking about gateway games. So games that will you can show your friends that don't necessarily play a lot of games that will get them hooked and reel them in and play more games and then right. soon they'll be like us where they just own way too many games and you know just it's it's really sad actually. It's, it's a sad it spiral. <laughs> it just gets unhealthy. That's right, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> the Dare program is watching you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're adding that to the list of, of items <laughs> that they right. service, yeah. <laughs> but, That's right.
0: But yeah, so we're going to talk about Gateway Games. But before that, we got, we're got we going to do an icebreaker. And first of all, we're going to talk about what we're drinking. So, Dalton, what are you That's drinking right. tonight?
1: I am Sorry drinking. I didn't bring I you a beer, by the way. That's that's all right. We're, we decided after the uh, after the, the holidays, this is our first time recording after it, we decided it would be best to do it uh, mobily, so we're both on, on Zoom again. So as a result of that, I did not bring Nelson a whiskey, he did not bring me a beer, but Nelson, uh, to my great pride, has actually chosen a whiskey of his own. Uh, I have. Which is really exciting. Uh, I chose a whiskey uh, for myself, so we have an all-whiskey night going on. Um, So I am drinking Isaac Bowman straight bourbon whiskey. It's another that is finished in port barrels. Um, It's really, it has a really pretty, like almost starting to be like a wine-like color. Yeah. And a a big old wooden, almost said plug. That would be inappropriate. (laughs) Cork is the correct (laughs) No, it's a plug. It's a plug from now on. (laughs) A wooden plug. (laughs) It has a port barrel finish, so it'll have like a really sweet sort of red fruit um, kind of aftertaste that's very natural. Um, This distillery I, I chose because they are located in Fredericksburg Virginia and I used to live in Fredericksburg Virginia and when my dad and I were kind of like whiskey shopping over the holidays uh, we saw this and we were like hey no way like we used to live there you know and that but that was before he was really drinking and Obviously it was well before I was drinking because it was like in my childhood. Um, So that's why it ended up getting selected that in the port barrel finish, which I really like this distillery, the Bowman distillery opened the day after prohibition ended in 1934. I thought that was badass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they were the first, or they were the only legal distillery in Virginia for many years. So anyway, in the, in the taste, it sort of has like a fruity mash, almost like a, like a fruitcake kind of smell. It's very earthy going on. Um, And then in the taste, it, has a very like, I would say it has both like a a fruit forward and like a spice forward. Um, So it has kind of like this almost like a brown sugar, like prune kind of flavor going on. And it's very, it it almost would be like overwhelmingly sweet, um, except for that it also has a lot of like wood char and like oak and the black pepper flavors coming in. So it it has a very strong flavor profile overall. Like it's just, it's very, it was actually almost a little too like heavy for me at first. And so I chose this one specifically for this episode because I felt like last episode, I was kind of like knocking a little bit hard on putting ice in whiskey. And so I wanted to like clear that up a little bit. Like, first of all, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) And I felt like that's how I kind of like said like, oh, you should, I kind of like tipped my nose and said like, you should never put ice in whiskey (laughs) or something. Um, So just to clear that up, like whiskey should always be, I guess, enjoyed in the way that you most enjoy it and if that's with like ice in it like you should drink it that way right and if that's with water in it you should drink it that way if that's neat then drink it that way if it's with lemonade in it then drink it that way just like buy a cheaper whiskey I would recommend but if you want to buy an expensive whiskey and put lemonade in it like that's all up, that's that's your game you know and so this one I drink with ice Um, and I do that because it has this extremely strong flavor profile that's very fruity and it's very spicy and so it does have a lot of like layered complexity to it but like Even for me, I think I have, like, a pretty decent palate at this point. It, it, like, I'm not picking up all the complexity of it because it just has these very, like, forward strong flavors going on. And, like, the very strong, like, fruity flavors, they're not going to be necessarily, like, even, like, toned back with water. And that's, like, great. It'll still be very, uh, it'll still be very strong. And so I enjoy this one, like, with a little bit of ice um, because it brings the heat down. It brings, like, it sort of, like, mellows the fruity flavors and it helps it be maybe, like, it's more technical, technically, complex, neat, but it's probably more comfortable and enjoyable with ice, if that makes sense. And like towards the end, after it's been like, you know, half the ice cube is melted or something like that, it's like been watered and ends up being almost kind of like a mixed drink of its own. Oh, like very It nice. does yeah. have still these like very strong flavors that are not going away just because there's a, like melted water in it. I would suggest if you're going to enjoy whiskey with ice, I would suggest getting some of the molds that let you have like a bigger cube or a sphere or something like that. That'll make it so that if you drop a couple of ice cubes in it, they'll melt very quickly. Um, that's like a surface area to volume issue right (laughs) and so they'll like they'll melt very quickly and your whiskey will become watered down very quickly and it may not be as like cold and it'll just skip right to being like very watery Um, whereas if you have like a larger ice cube and you're sipping on it throughout that time as it's like watering down you're also like sipping on it and kind of like pulling that out right so it doesn't become so diluted so quickly and so mine are like little spheres that are, I don't know, the size of a golf ball or something like that. And that works pretty well.
0: I saw one on Facebook one time that was like a Death Star. <laughs> it, was the, <laughs> it was the whiskey. I was like, ooh, I want that. But then you That's told really me not cool. to drink it with ice so i I never got it so you didn't buy it oh i'm sorry buddy (laughs) i'm just kidding
1: (laughs) you can get your death star ice cubes oh yes there's a way to enjoy whiskey with them (laughs) (laughs) so anyways like like i said with the like really strong flavors and everything i think this is a really enjoyable one it's probably a three tiers for me i i think uh i re i will all i will always enjoy something that has a port barrel finish like that's just like very because my first was a was a angel's envy um, which has, like, a sherry finish. And so, like, those types of things are just kind of, like, near and dear to me. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying this one. Nice. What are you drinking tonight?
0: So I also chose a bourbon. So this is Horse Soldier Premium Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And I feel like I'm at the point in my bourbon drinking career that it was okay uh-huh. for me to buy this because I bought it exclusively off the label. Um, so the, <laughs> it's actually, like, a metal label, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you can see it. But like,
1: oh, I can't. It's like a, it's like stamped almost, like yeah, a metal it's, like, stamped, it's stamped
0: on it, and I was just like, well, this is cool, and so I bought a it. It has horse on it, which
1: is very Kentucky.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so I, I bought this probably about a week ago, and um, I'm I'm enjoying it. I I do really like it. So I looked it up. This is from a distillery founded by a bunch of Green Berets.
1: Yep, they're like the special forces. Yeah, the special uh, forces. In the ar- but in the
0: they army. uh, they. Who invaded North Afghanistan after 911. So they they fought on like this rigorous terrain, and one of the special operations team actually rode wild Afghan horses to get through the dangers, and that's what gave them the nickname Horse Soldiers. And that's what they named the their distillery after. So it's that is super horse cool. horse soldier premium. And I didn't know that before I bought it, but like I'm glad <laughs> i glad yeah. I know it now. Yeah. So this is a straight bourbon, which means that it's been aged for at least two years. And I think in your the bourbon episode, you said that if if it's aged between two and four, they actually have to put the number of years on it. That is correct, yeah. And yeah, that's correct. So they didn't put the number of years, but they said it's aged for a minimum, or it's been aged for more than two years. is what it says on the bottle. Does that mean it's been aged for more than four, or are they just did they find a loophole in that rule and it's probably been aged in between two and four?
1: I feel like it's probably between two and four.
0: I, I don't know why you would say more than two, and it, like, why would not just say more than four if it's
1: right? And if, it <laughs> was, if they had more than three, wouldn't they say more than three? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like um, although three is kind of a weird number, so I don't know. I feel like they probably did like two and a half or something like that.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's a straight. It's probably been aged for about two and a half years ish. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was aged in a charred new American oak barrel. It does say on the bottle, "Forged in fire," which I think is badass. I have no idea what that means, but cool. Like, um
1: Right. In order to be bourbon, it has to be in a like a charred barrel, but it sounds really cool if you say forged in fire. Yeah, they got me. So <laughs> these guys have A plus marketing. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. They actually they have three horse soldier bourbons. This is the lower end because oh, cool. I didn't want to spend more than forty five dollars on a bourbon, uh, yeah. <laughs> because I feel like I would not be able to taste the difference at this point in my life. The yeah. uh, I try not
1: to spend more than forty five, except for on like one bottle. I allow yeah. myself like one bottle that's above that,
0: and that that makes sense. This is yep. it's uh like half percent. So yeah. I had mm-hmm. I tried it with I tried it neat. I didn't love that. It kind of still hurt a little bit. Tried it with an ice cube, yeah. and then tonight I'm drinking it with a splash of water. And I do think yeah. that the splash of water with this one is really nice. Like it, cool. I can actually like really taste it. It tastes kind of like caramel and vanilla. I don't, mm-hmm. and like it smells. It smells almost like a sour apple, or not like a sour apple, but like that. It smells like an apple. So it's like crisp okay. almost. So it, it, Yeah. I I've been I've I've really enjoyed it. Uh, especially just with the splash of water that I've been trying tonight, so th- this is going to be a good one. It's definitely better than the bone snapper that I tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two episodes ago. Yeah. I don't. I don't quite good. remember. Our last virtual episode is when I tried the bone snapper, and yeah. I I had a I had a glass of this, so the horse soldier, and then I had a glass of the bone snapper, and I was just like, wow, that is not as good. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like ew, ew, that hurts. <laughs> so yeah. But so this one's really good. I think I I have no idea. I think I said before, I I don't really know what I like in a bourbon, but this is definitely at least a three cheers and I'll revisit it more when I've had more bourbon because I could see this being a four cheers for me because I, especially with the water, because I'm I'm really just... Like, it just tastes good. Like, and that, that's like, it sounds weird to like say it with those adjectives, but it's something that I've never like, like I've, I've, I've enjoyed bourbon before, but I've never been like this tastes good. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So no, I totally,
1: I totally understand. It's like a, it's a good distinction between like, am I enjoying exploring the flavors? Cause sometimes I do taste bourbons that way that it's like, yeah. I'm enjoying the flavor profile, but it doesn't actually taste good, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and so I'm really glad to hear that, that like, first of all, that tastes good for you. And second of all, that like the watering down is working for you. Cause I, like I said, in, I think the last episode or, or one or two before people de- like, it should be something that people try, especially like when you're first getting into bourbon and it just helps remove like the alcohol burn. So you can kind of like actually taste what's going on. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yep. So, so that, that's what I've been drinking and I got awesome. a good amount more left. So that's always exciting. So
1: yeah, hopefully <laughs> we can meet in person and I can try some of it. Yes, like, exactly. Enjoy
0: that. Yep. I'll entice this. Come to me. Come to my house. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's super effective. <laughs> I'll be there in an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. We'll resume this recording
1: then. <laughs> in an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad how true that is. <laughs> the temptation is real.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I am really enjoying it. I'm excited. I, I am really excited for you to try it because I want to know if I'm just like. Actually, tasting good, or it's just like, eh, okay. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I want to see what you think because you actually oh, have tasted thing. a lot more of these
1: than I have. So I get the um, get the expert opinion. Yes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Quite that I am. <laughs> Quite. Well, we shall we shall retire to the estate. <laughs> Drink the bourbon. <laughs>
0: oh jeez. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, let's let's uh let's hop into what what's been on our table so what we've been playing recently or some topic that we want to talk about dalton what's been on your table recently
1: yeah so table for me so first of all it was uh there's been a lot of family time recently right so a natural time for gateway games it's a very uh very topical very topical evening Um, but for me personally besides like all the gateway games that i've been playing with family over the holidays first thing i want to talk about game i'm most excited about from picking up over christmas right I think that's an important thing to cover the first podcast episode after Christmas. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: uh, so, I, so I picked up uh, Trekking the World. Um, we talked about trekking the national yeah. parks on our episode with uh, Charles uh, yeah. from, Yep, from uh, the director of the Game Master documentary. He interviewed Charlie Bink as a part of that. Charlie Bink is the creator of Trekking the National Parks. Uh, board game. Spoiler alert, he actually gets to publish that board game.
0: Um, hey, hey.
1: <laughs> it's actually not much of a spoiler, because really, like, they... I've seen it yeah, in the game store. Yeah, first of all, store. I've seen it in the game <laughs> store. Second of all, like, when he picks up with Charlie, he's, like, actually already kind of producing it. He's, like, telling, like, kind of the late stages of production with yeah. Charlie, like, that part of the story. And trekking... That was a trekking the national parks. The theme there is, like, um, going around the United States and exploring all the national parks. Uh, trekking the world is kind of like the follow-up to that. So it takes... I, be- I believe, if I remember right, Charlie released a second edition of Trekking the National Parks, and then this incorporates that into like another f- sort of sequel a- or follow-up. Yeah,
0: sequel. Game. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um, and so it has very heavy like card drafting, like hand management type mechanics, um, and then the scoring mechanism is basically set collection. So it's a pretty low complexity. I haven't actually gotten a chance to try it yet, but I've opened it up and read through the rules, and you know it's a pretty simple rule book. It's pretty simple mechanics. There's only like two or three things you can do on your turn. Potentially, actually, would make a great gateway game i just haven't played it yet so i don't i don't know officially very
0: nice yeah
1: but yeah obviously really good theming because it's basically like like uh almost like kind of seven wonders type things where it's just like monuments and natural parks and like eiffel tower and like those types of things that are like around the world it's a pretty cool theming um so i'm excited to try that i'm excited to try it with you i think it'll be a good like either first game of the night or like later game
0: yeah definitely (laughs) yeah it sounds interesting trekking the national parks looked really interesting so I'm really interested to see what trekking the world looks like because I, I do think that just like anything, designers get better over time. Mm-hmm. And so, so sometimes you know your first hit is your best, or your first one you put out is your best one. But a lot of the times, once you put out a sequel or something, your second game, it's going to be better because you've learned from your first game. And so I, I'm interested. Is I'm interested to try it. Really interesting. Yeah, for sure.
1: That. When I was reading through the rule book, it looked like that was true. That it was like, okay, these are natural, very like well thought through mechanics that are kind of just nice. Pretty, like, yeah. Fit together the way you would kind of expect. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I'm, I'm excited to try it. And I think it'll fit well into that. Like, when you have like two tables playing and you need to like sync back up so you can like shuffle the tables and you need something to kill like 30 minutes, I think it'll fit into that. Oh, cool. Okay.
0: Well. Yeah. So, I, for some reason, I was expecting it to be a lot longer than that. So, it's good. I do no, like. I, I do like that yeah. 30 minute time for games. Yeah. I think that is definitely a great sweet spot for, for games mm-hmm. that aren't code names or something like that. Yeah. Something that, like, I don't know if I want to genericize it to the point of it has a board, but like, you know, a game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, so that's really interesting. I'm excited to try that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Then the other thing that's been on my table, we have a, or will be on my table, I guess, we have twilight imperium planned for this weekend we scheduled that through the discord i'm really excited about it um because it's it's always exciting when i get to play twilight imperium and somehow over (laughs) like the pandemic this will be like the first time because we have been playing in person and so this is the first time we're going to try and tackle it like online but i'm specifically excited because twilight imperium i think we talked about it in in the app episode that prophecy of kings expansion was recently released for it so there's like seven new factions there are these things called agents which basically function as unlockable player powers um, which was something that the game or that Twilight Imperium specifically really didn't have. Like you could unlock your flagship, which had like a minor, some asymmetrical player power associated with it. But agents are like, if you do this thing, like you compete in this type of combat, or you like complete this, I don't know, task or something like that, you like unlock this agent, and that adds some sort of asymmetry to your player power. And so I'm excited for that because it'll feel like I'm kind of, pro- I might go out of my way to do things to kind of progress my, the power of my faction, you know?
0: Yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that. And then I think I've already talked about it, but they added back in mechs, which was something that um, was sorely needed because it made ground combat interesting. Um, <laughs> and they also added asymmetrical player powers back onto mechs, which they did not have in third edition. So I'm really, I'm really excited to. I've been very antsy. It feels. I think every time like Twilight Imperium comes up, it feels like Christmas is tomorrow kind of thing, and that's what this week is felt like. It's like, oh, we have Twilight Imperium this weekend. Nice. Yes, it's coming. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And there's seven new factions I can try and win with. I've already won with all of the existing ones.
0: Have you chosen a faction yet?
1: I have not. No. I typically would try and Imperium. I try to let other people choose because I like I play enough of it to where it's like I'll get to try all the factions eventually. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So right now, like everybody's kind of choosing theirs and I'll, I'll pick one later. Okay. But I had talked about earlier that there's one that kind of feels like it will play like uh, the Necrovirus and that when you attack people, you nice. gain things. And so yeah. I, I might try that one. We'll see.
0: Cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Excited. Nice. I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are on the expansion. I, it was a huge deal online, right? Like <laughs> everyone's mm-hmm. super excited to get it, which is funny because they released you know the 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 game that requires multiple multiple people to play the expansion during a pandemic year. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, that could have been probably better timing. <laughs> but but pe- right. I mean, people were really excited, and I like Twilight Imperium experts like you. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it yeah. because I feel like I, I feel like Twilight Imperium is a really good game, and putting expansions out is exciting for it in the sense of yep. like you're modifying something that's already really good it's top 10 on online right so
1: right it's like yeah because like even like you know terraforming mars which we love has had some of the best and also some of the worst expansions
0: right? yep totally yeah
1: has this huge <laughs> range of success <laughs> in expansions and i think fantasy flights overall is pretty good at expansions like maybe not excellent you know, yeah. but like I feel like they put out pretty good ones. They
0: did typically. Mother of Dragons for Game of Thrones, so that I mean that was phenomenal. I love that. One. Yeah, that was so yeah. good. That that was so much fun. So yeah, sweet. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah,
1: we'll see. You. What's been on uh, What's been on your table?
0: So typically, I answer this with a lot, and I'm going to change that and actually say not that much. So just like you, I've been kind of traveling and yeah. seeing family and friends and stuff, and we haven't been playing a lot of what i would call like gamers games we've been doing a lot of Mm -hmm. the lighter games the gateway games the party games and stuff like that but i I do want to talk about a couple of them that we that we played i got a game called blank slate for christmas from my sister-in-law what the game is is it's have you played just one by asmodee okay so
1: i know the game but i've not played it
0: yeah so in just one you're you're, you're working cooperatively to try and, like, write down a clue to try and get someone to guess a word. But if two mm-hmm. people at the table wrote down the same clue, that clue gets eliminated from the pool of clues. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, you're, you're trying to be creative. And Blank Slate is, like, the opposite of that. So, basically, it gives um, – a, there's a card that gets drawn and it says, like, blank jam. And you all collectively write down a word that could be, like, Blackberry – space and you're trying to match with more people so you're trying Mm. to like and if you match with one person you get three points if you match with more than one person everyone gets one point so you're trying Mm. to be like that fringe match but also like still match with somebody and so it's been really fun we played actually quite a bit of it we played a lot of it when uh, some of my family was over and it it was just kind of fun because like you know you could get inside jokes and stuff in there and like Like people there that, you know, I know that had read some of the books that I had read. So I was, I think one was Blank Ruler. And so, like, I tried, like, mm. Lord Ruler from Mistborn, mm. which nobody got, which was frustrating. But oh, <laughs> was, I, I thought it was a good clue. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, shout out to our upcoming
1: episode. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Next so, book episode will be a, a Mistborn analysis. You'll <laughs> exactly. hear all about the Lord Ruler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I guess this is a good time, if any, to plug it. So read Mistborn, The Final Empire. Read Mistborn. It's coming out in two two weeks. weeks. Exactly. It's a great book.
1: I I bet there's some like, I bet there's some great like, you wrote down Space Jam, like high five across the table (laughs) kind of moments, you know, where it's like you two like connected on that thing and you're like, yes, you're my best friend.
0: (laughs) And then uh, we we started playing with a variant, which I thought was pretty cool, where you can, you write down the word, but then also you can do like a, you can write down someone's name and do like Mm. an all or nothing. And if you get the person's name right, then you get plus two points. But if you don't get it, but you match with someone else, you get zero points. Mm. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, risky. And you played a 25. And so it's a pretty quick game. But yeah, it's
1: like it. It'd be fun to like enter that game and sit down with you like, okay, now are am (laughs) going to end this game in five rounds. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Just write down what you think I'm going to do. And then we just write down each other's names every round and see if we can end it.
0: Yeah no that, yeah I we played it with my my in laws we played it with my family and then we played it with my cousins and you cool. worked with every group right you it was just fun so I, I'm excited yeah. that that's now in the rotation of those party games so when you pull out wavelength yeah. or code names or something like that blank slate is definitely one that we pull out and that's kind of the one when we had my cousins over that people were just like yeah let's play more blank slate like let's just go and we just we just kept playing and playing, and so it was—it was a lot of fun. Like it's—it's a—it's yeah. a, it's a fun one, definitely.
1: That's great. A, when you it's have it's a winner in. of like a word association game, I feel like that happens. Yeah. Like where people are like, yeah, let's do it. Just yeah, let's. We've, been, let's we've just play a couple again. drinks in. Let's just do it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Let's just play again. So, I'm really excited about that. Then the other one that I wanted to talk about was a game, which I don't know if it's a good game, but it's a really fun game, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's a game that uh, one of my cousins brought and it's called steampunk rally and so i have you heard of this game
1: no this is a new one for me okay
0: so the premise is great so basically you're inventors from like the early 19th century or like the 19th century and you're like basically building a a modular like craft or motorized craft to race around the track and try to be the first one to finish the race, but it's like okay. you can play as like uh, Einstein or something like that. But it's like it's a drafting game, so you have you have four cards that you draft from, and then the the cards are actually like multi-purpose cards. So you can like uh, the the resource in the game are dice. So there are three different color of dice and you can, like, discard the card to get dice to run your engine, or you can add the card, and it's just, like, these crazy contractions that you add onto your engine and say, like, hey, if you put, like, a five blue dice here, then you get to, like, move three or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it's, like, okay, if you put... For every multiple of four that you put here, and it has, like, maybe four spots, you get to move, uh, like, two or something. So it's, like, if you put... 12 value of dice so maybe you roll like two sixes and you put two sixes there you get to move six and so it's, it's mm-hmm. like it's it's really interesting it has like some event cards in it but it's just like like the the machines that you build out and if you go too fast you have to like take damage and you can like there's mechanisms to sustain damage or if you don't have if you if you haven't like built up a buffer you just have to destroy parts of your engine <laughs> which is kind of funny um, Yeah, but yeah no it, it like it, it was one of those games where it's mechanically I'm not sure if it's perfect like it it's mm-hmm. not that high I think it's top 500 of Board okay. Game Geek. But like when I was playing, I was like, this is just a lot of fun. Like you can't take it too yeah. seriously because it's, you know, his dice rolling, his dice placement. And then I was just having fun playing. Like <laughs> it's just like one of those games. And I was just like, okay, cool. I'm going to look for this in a trade because it's definitely one that, I don't know. It's just like the experience was just like really high for me. Just because I was just like laughing and having a good time. Plus, it's like I had like four like rocket jets onto my like guy nice. with a bicycle wheel. And it's just like. <laughs> it's just like hilarious like picture almost like evolution in that sense where you know you built this creation and it's just kind of fun to picture it so Uh, (laughs) but yeah that that that's on that's on the list to trade for because i just i had a lot of fun with it
1: i mean like obviously i think the natural comparison would be galaxy trucker in terms of like i'm going to build this thing and like kind of send it around you know like do you which do you prefer
0: definitely steampunk rally i for some reason, I didn't love Galaxy Trucker. I feel like okay. it, it basically, I that's a really good comparison that I, that I never thought about. But I think that the difference is, is like in Galaxy Trucker, you're like, it's a physical time. Like you are actually timed to build. Mm-hmm. You have to sit on one of your hands and build. Whereas this is a drafting mechanism. So you can like think about it a little bit more. And that's just kind of where I like mm-hmm. to play. Those are my games yeah. that I like to play. I get stressed out when it's real time. Um, <laughs> and so... So I, I, I definitely like this one a little bit more than Galaxy Trucker. Cool. But but yeah, so <laughs> it was just funny. It's by Roxley Games who do Brass Birmingham too. So oh, cool. it's, it's it's like the same size box. It's like really good components. The the cards are um like plastic cards. So they're mm. like like spill proof cards almost. So Yeah, we always <laughs> we, appreciate that. We we yeah, we really do. But yeah, so steampunk <laughs> rally was really good. I, I think I just made a uh, post on it a couple of days ago, but yeah. and not a lot of people have played it, which I can see why. It's it's not, you know, it's no Twilight Imperium. Like it, it's not gonna like way. <laughs> it, but it's like it's one of those where, you know, you can you can kick back and have a good time. Also, it plays up to like seven, so it's like okay, like wow. and it's all it all the turns are simultaneous. So I'm not no. I'm not sure how much longer seven players. I'm sure it would be longer, but mm-hmm. we play with four. And so like I don't know adding three players, like you just draft cards and then by yourself you build your engine and then you just go yep. and you move the spaces. And so it's like it is kind of multiplayer solitaire in that sense, but eh, yep. it was it was fun. Well, like fun.
1: simultaneous play obviously kinda has to be. You know, yeah. Yeah. If there's gonna be simultaneous play, that means that like I'm not influencing your turn, therefore we can go at the same time.
0: Yeah. Kind of yeah, absolutely. And I mean there is a little player interaction. My cousin set a trap that I ran through, like on the map that nice. you're like, you're racing through like the Swiss Alps or something, so it's like, gotcha. It's a crazy theme, but it's it was just kind of fun, yeah. fun asymmetrical player powers too, because each like inventor has a starting card that's like pretty powerful and stuff. So, and if you yeah. ever like kill your inventor, you have to like go to the back of the line. So, <laughs> like <laughs> in the race, real strict punishment there. <laughs> yeah, fun stuff. So awesome. we we I'm played that, and I was just like, yeah, that was that was just like a that was just like a fun one. Like I, it it almost felt like like a quax, a Quedlinburg, Yeah. Where it's like, okay, like I I don't know if I care if I win. I'm just enjoying the playing, right? Like Right, <laughs> just, yeah. Just yeah. Kind of Games like are that. meant
1: to be fun and this one checks that box. Yep,
0: exactly. Yep. So awesome. that that's kind of what I've been playing. Hopefully I'll get playing a little bit more here in the future yeah. now that, you know, we're back quarantined at home. So uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So we'll we'll see what what hits the table before next episode. Yeah,
1: what what a January brings.
0: Yeah. Let's move, uh, let's let's do a little bit of a shout out here. Let's shout out one of the members of the Gateway Network. So the Gateway Network is a network that was put together for up and coming board game content creators. And so we are a proud member of the Gateway Network and we have a myriad of other uh, members. One of the things that I want to mention first is that we just put up a merchandise store. So if you want, you can go to the Gateway Network's merchandise store, the link's in our Instagram bio. And there are any any member of the board or of the gateway network has merchandise there. And so I really like the coasters for fantasy and some flights. Uh, those those are pretty cool. (laughs) It's on theme. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think my
1: favorite was the, um, what was the, uh, like the child face mask that was on there. (laughs) Um, because I don't, I I think just the idea of, you know, a child putting us over their mouth, almost like a filter when you and I don't have a lot of filter. (laughs) pretty ironic <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but
0: yeah, yeah. I, I you don't have to go buy anything i just i thought it was hilarious to just like scroll through because it's a program that like puts our logo on a bunch of stuff so you can buy a duffel bag with fantasy i just thought that was hilarious yeah, it was really <laughs> but, funny um or a bed cover i mean <laughs> <laughs> there was a throw pillow, <laughs> throw, pillow was was a
2: cracked throw me throw
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> i saw a meme the other day it's like if there's no place to sit, you have too many pillows. Because <laughs> I feel like First that's school. a problem in my house. I have so many throw pillows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no place to play games. I have too many fantasy asset flags throw pillows. <laughs> Which is an okay problem to have, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, let, let's shout out one of the members this week. So we've done a couple shout outs recently. But this, th- this week we're going to shout out bad board game covers. So, Bad Board Game Covers is an Instagram account, and he hosts weekly puzzles trying to decipher distorted photos of board games. So, it's kind of fun. Sometimes, like, they're blurry, and you have to, like, guess on what the cover or, like, the box that is Mm -hmm. blurred out is going to be. Or sometimes it's, like, a grid of nine. Like, the top row is one point, two points, and then three points for the third row. And, like, it's like a zoomed-in picture of a board game cover, and you have to try and guess which board game it goes to so it's like oh i know that's caverna's board and you're like it's like a self-check it's like oh cool i scored 15 points this week type thing Mm -hmm. uh which which is just kind of fun and he also runs like tournaments so where people nominate some games based on a uh, a category that he comes up with so i think the the one that he just ran was kind of like the the most interesting board game characters so we would have people from the Instagram community nominate games and then tournament style like face off against each other to find the best one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's actually a gateway tournament starting here soon that we are participating in. And so there's going to be a game or there's going to be a category that we're going to nominate a game for and we're going to go up against all the other members of the gateway network and you guys better go vote for our game. I don't care if it's worse than the opponents vote for the name not the game <laughs> but, but yeah so i i don't know what the category is yet but i'm excited to find out should be happening yep. soon and so go follow bad board game covers and yep. vote for us <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. i, I like his uh, a lot of times when we like plug different content um there's like a certain sort of I want to say barrier to entry, maybe that's not the right term, but like almost like commitment, you know, like even our stuff, like when you listen to a podcast episode, we recognize that like, it's usually over an hour of content. And, and like, that's a big commitment. That's a lot of time out of your day. And we really appreciate that you take the time to do that. His content is not that way, right? It, it's like, it's not a big commitment to like, get involved with his content.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, he posted on his story. It's a click. <laughs> that It's a click, right? And it, yeah. it's a lot
1: of fun. It's very low impact. It's very easy. If it's something you enjoy, just to like follow him on Instagram and kind of get access to that content. So definitely, definitely check, check Check
0: that out. Absolutely. So that is bad board game covers. Go give him a follow and check out the next uh, tournament and vote for us. So (laughs) (laughs) you want to hop into icebreakers now?
1: Let's do an icebreaker. My favorite part of the episode. Really? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a lot of times it is. Sometimes, like sometimes, it's the uh, flights. But like I'm also I'm the enjoyable part of the flights more than talking about it is actually drinking it. I do most of the drinking throughout the rest of the episode. That's fair. So, yeah. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the icebreakers are fun.
0: Yeah, they are. They're a lot of fun. I, I especially like them now that they're user submitted. We For have sure. people submitting icebreakers, so neither one of us have a thought answer, so we kind of have to think on our feet, which is kind of fun. So, yeah. so, so this week it is. This icebreaker is submitted by Mad, who's one of our listeners. What thematic asymmetrical player power would you give to the classic Monopoly tokens? Those being battleship, boot, <laughs> cat, race car, Scotty dog, thimble, top hat, and wheelbarrow, Weir- Weir- including included the list because it was more difficult to, to find than expected. So, <laughs> so I think. <laughs>
1: So I think uh, this is hilarious. <laughs> this is a really good question. This, this, this is, is awesome. Honestly, an A plus question. Holy cow. <laughs> and also, like, so side note. So just like a side story for a second. Like, I was at a um, I was at a trivia night. One of the that you know how they give you the categories, and one of the categories was like board games. I was like, boom, I got this. Got My team. Nobody worry, right? Like, I'm on it. It's all, it's all gonna be okay. And, and the question was like something like name. The four railroad stops in the original Monopoly, and I was like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> like, fucking clue!" Uh, Russian Railroads, eighteen XX.
0: Uh, One of them is Age reading. of Steam, and Reading Railroad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> reading. Those are the four. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Never got. Oh, I thought you said board games, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that's bad. Um,
0: <laughs> Okay, okay so, so. I think
1: the wheelbarrow i think the wheelbarrow uh, is my like natural pick and its power should be if you like move past another token you should be able to pick up that token move it with you and if you land on one of your properties oh hell to yeah you. hell yeah let's <laughs> go that'd be so sick that'd be
0: so sick you'd oh, be rolling yeah.
1: like 12, 12 12 12 <laughs> 12 yes suck it <laughs> pick up everybody so and move cool. with you
0: <laughs> i'm landing on boardwalk again oh no oh god no <laughs> please stop
1: <laughs> oh that
0: that's an awesome one i love that that would actually make me consider playing monopoly um, <laughs> i think battleship anytime you anytime the person playing battleship needs to pay somebody they instead challenge them to a game of battleship and <laughs> if they win they don't have to pay uh no that, that's you have to go crazy. play a separate board game of battleship <laughs> Oh my. All right, time out, guys.
1: We have to go. It's the seventeenth time this game you're playing Battleship.
0: Please stop. Please stop. Race car could be one. It's like you just add one to your dice roll or something like that and make it a little bit further around the track. Get that mm. two hundred. That sweet, sweet two hundred dollars. Um, yeah, or
1: like the uh, or the uh, what's it like the like add a die, pick two kind of thing, like pick two of three dice kind of. What would the oh, thimble yeah. be? I think the thimble.
0: I was thinking about the thimble. I have one for the top hat. I think the top hat would be really cool to do. Like if someone lands on your property, they pay you like 5% more. But if you land on luxury tax, you pay 20% more. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. The thimble.
1: Hmm. Thimble. It should be small and unsuspecting, you know? You were brave enough to pick the thimble.
0: (laughs) turns out I don't know the Monopoly board that well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's railroads, utilities, I don't know. And other oh, things. Thimble can be like, there's. Uh, what are they called? There's like the cards that you draw, right?
0: Chest, or community chest and chance? Community cards?
1: chest, community chance and, maybe?
0: Yeah, they are two so They're thim- two stacks.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, what out of one of them, the, the Thimble draws two cards instead of one. I like I that, think. yeah. I think that, I think that would be, there'd be like their little quirky power.
0: I like it, I like it. and then we have the two that we have left are cat and scotty dog
1: (laughs) (laughs) i feel like they uh, should i feel like the cat should always get out of jail free
0: yeah oh yeah because it's an escape artist i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: that's that's like its power just gets out of jail free always
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome
1: (laughs) yep okay so we got the cat scotty dog it, it collects $10 anytime it passes a player or lands on space <laughs> with a player. Yeah. There you <laughs> it go. It just collects ten, $10 from that player.
0: Just, just a quick 10 bucks.
1: <laughs> just 10 bu- Everybody likes to pet a dog.
0: Everyone loves the dog. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be so much fun.
1: Yeah. It would be fun. Hire us. We know how to make asymmetrical player powers. They're yeah. We obviously do that. balanced. Obviously. <laughs> Duh. We play tested it
0: a lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was an awesome question. I really That was a good, that. that was a really that was a
1: that was a heavy hitter. That was a really good
0: That was a, yeah, uh, that was a fun one. That was
1: a, I love that <laughs> it also is like part of the theme of Gateway Games is getting us out of Monopoly. <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, this is turning Monopoly into a gateway game. We appreciate So, I'll play it.
0: Monopoly, what next?
1: No. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Monopoly Fantasy and Supplies version.
0: <laughs> That'd be awesome.
1: That would be awesome. So
0: speaking of gateway games, you wanna hop into our main topic now?
1: Oh man, I'm excited to.
0: Okay, let's do it. So, Dalton, do you have a definition for gateway games? Like what is a gateway game? It's like I, I feel like I, I I feel like it's a term that is known inside the community. But mm-hmm. like if you're not in the community, you're just like, I've heard of gateway drugs. Uh what right. what is a gateway game? Like is that a game
1: Hopefully, I think our goal as a community is that if you are not in the community, you have not heard the term of gateway game. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> fair. <That's> fair. <laughs> it's the game that we game. Used to, Right. It's the game that we, this is a good intro game, you know? <laughs> oh, that's
0: a good one. That's a good one. I've used that's that a, before. Right?
1: <laughs> I've used it too. And it's a gateway game is a game that we trick you into being a part of the hobby with. <laughs> um, but ultimately, like we, we joke about it a lot. And I think when... Most, I think, it's a really common term because, like, most of the members of the community can like think back of a game that got them into the hobby. That was like their first game. That again was not Monopoly. It was not Risk. It was not a Clue. Like any of like you know the like what the Boomer it was the generation yeah. right exactly yeah. Um, it, it was it was the first one that's like oh there's some like interesting mechanics here and there can be depth and there can be you know it's decisions it's and your everything right yeah it's your it's your first whiskey that's not you know, Jack Daniels or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not a
0: Coors Light.
1: Yeah, right. It's not a core's Light. There's actually something called craft beer. Um, and, and that's, and that's what gateway games kind of teach you. I, I think rather than a definition, I thought of two kind of uh, requirements maybe, and I would be interested to hear yours as compared to mine, but okay. in order for something to qualify as a gateway game, I thought of two things. Um, the first is that it must be approachable. Um, that can encompass things like simple short but it doesn't have to be either of those things there can be long gateway games but just so long as it's approachable and then the other thing is it must generate further ho- further interest in the hobby and that's actually a really key yeah. point for me okay
0: yeah that that yeah that's a really good point because you you do want people to ask what is coming next or like you want people to say mm-hmm. i want to play that again or something like that where yeah it, it has to be approachable what i had written down is it has to have a short teach so if, if mm-hmm. you're bringing someone to the table, this is the first time playing a board game typically, or historically what I've experienced when people have been playing board games with me where they haven't played a lot of like what we would classify as a board game is board games are kind of lame, they're dumb. they're They're not something that we you know that I, I really enjoy. And mm-hmm. I think if you go into something that you know takes 15 minutes to explain, they're gonna have that same precedent already. And so yeah. I, I put like, if you can explain it in five minutes or less, you're good to go. That that would be mm. a good gateway game right there. It's approachable. Yeah. It's like you don't want to be sitting there and explaining the rules to them for a long time. That's just yeah, not sure. something you want to do. So being for able sure. to quick, explain it to them, and hop right in. Uh, mm. Wavelink does a phenomenal job of this, right? Like it's it's almost like harder to explain the rules than just have them play around. Where, mm. And it's just kind of there. It's like you... You play you can try and explain the rules and I've tried to explain the rules. I was just like I've given a brief overview and what I do is I have the new player be the last person to give a clue and by the time it's their turn to give a clue they know exactly how to play. Yeah. So sure. so things like that where it's really easy to, you know, explain. It's very approachable. Makes a great gateway mm. game. Um Yeah.
1: I think playing into like approachable theme can be really important. It doesn't have to be, um, but it, it can really help like I think when we play like Seven Wonders as, as like a gateway game, that one sells really well, you know, just because it has like really like flashy cards and it has these pretty monuments and you're like, oh, okay, like I can see, like you can explain to someone like basically you're going to build yourself like a civilization and that's good, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, like I can, I can see that playing out. And for new players who have not, who don't know what types of mechanics they like and what types of games that they like, um, they're actually going to rely really heavily on a theme. And so that's an area where games like Catan you know, can like kind of struggle where it's like, okay, what am I like doing here? That it's a kind of a hard sell to get someone sometimes to like play a guitar once they like play it for the first time. It's like now they get it and now it's a really good gateway game, but actually getting them to the table theme can be a really big part of that.
0: Yep, and that's exactly my second bullet point is good theme. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like I think of like pandemic knocks this mm-hmm. out of the ballpark, right? Like it's hey, yeah. you need to go save the world from deadly diseases, which is super. Relevant in this day and age, right? But <laughs> but like it, it's interesting, right? It's not trading spices in the Mediterranean, as as we've joked before, or it's like you're not an 18th century farmer like you are in Agricola, right? Like that mm-hmm. the mechanics are there in Agricola, but like the theme, it's just like if you explain that to somebody, it's like I don't want to do that. But it's yeah. like hey, like yeah. like Flashpoint Fire Rescue, it's like hey, you're a firefighter, like you know, saving a building from burning flames. It's like okay, like. I can get into that like that's cool or like uh, betrayal at house on the hill like it tells a story yeah I I think that that's a really especially for gateway games is just like you you probably have to have a pretty solid theme to get people to the table because like my my sister-in-law jokes all the time where she tries to guess the themes of the games that me and my wife are playing Mm because it's like they're nonsensical basically right so it's like (laughs) oh what is this one about it's like oh this one's about growing trees you're just like that sounds horrible (laughs) like (laughs) Like, if you explain it like that and it's just like oh okay yeah but it's like like you said like seven wonders is a great example it's like oh you're building a civilization around the pyramids of giza and it's like oh okay like i I can get behind this like i can i I feel this one so i I think theme is really critical to a gateway game
1: yeah for sure and i think it's I was thinking a lot about word games in preparation for this episode. So word association games, code names. you know, we've been talking about wavelength. What was it? What was the one that you were describing in your, or, wavelength. Was, no, no, no. In your, uh, in your table. Blank slate. Yeah. Blank slate um, games like that, where really, usually they don't really actually have a theme at all. You know, like codenames tries to have a theme and it's like kind of goofy, right? It's like, Oh yeah. Spy. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, whatever. I really don't care. I think so. I think they struggle with that, but they're also, for some reason, they're approachable anyway. You know, like people are like, oh, I get like a word association guy played catchphrase or something. So it's not really a big deal. Yeah, like, yeah They don't yeah. really need the theme. The thing I think that like word association games struggle the most with is kind of like the second thing I was talking about of generating further interest um, because word association games don't always yeah. feel like a board game, you know? Yep. Um, like I think actually for some reason, I feel like Wavelength does a better job of that than code names because I feel like code names does just feel like a word association game and for some reason the fact that there's like the turning dial and wavelength I don't know what it is but to me it just feels like more of what I would it's think like of a, a board tactical
0: game. feel like you get to touch yeah. something I, yeah. maybe that's it
1: maybe that's it the interaction I don't know yeah who knows <laughs> yeah who knows but it's, it's something that I think overall can be like kind of a, a hindrance to calling something like go- code names it's like is code is names a gateway game it's like uh... if it is it's in my mind a bad one because, like I said, it's like catchphrase, you
0: know. I think that's a really good point. Codenames is a really good game to get mm-hmm. people who don't play games to the table. Mm-hmm. Something that I had, which I thought was kind of interesting, was like a cool table presence could bring people mm-hmm. to the. Would be an interesting uh, theme for a gateway game. Now, like I was kind of thinking of Everdell in this sense, which Everdell yeah. probably borders on that not a gate. It's not something you want to bring the first play into but maybe like maybe that second standpoint. play yeah it's it's you know it's got worker placement it's got mm-hmm. you know tableau building like it, it's got a yeah, good bit drafting, going yeah. on but it's got this giant tree in the middle of the table where it's like i walk past it i was like oh what is that like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It kind of draws you in or something like that. And I think this ties in kind of with the theme. But if you can have cool components that go along with it, I think that that also introduces you to like a, a good level of gateway
1: game. Yeah, I, I would say that's especially true since, again, we're trying to like pull people away from your monopolies and, and risks and, and clues. And and those games, typically when people have played them are, well, first of all, they just like they were never produced with like high quality you know, and second of all, they're usually old, right? Like it's like grandma's yeah. version yep. of whatever. And so they don't recognize like, oh, like I can have artwork that exists in Everdell, you know, and I can have like these like heavy metal components, you know, um, yeah. or, or, or weighted like wooden pieces. And it's like, okay, now I feel like I'm actually kind of like, like physically interacting with the game in a way that's probably more meaningful.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So I, I think that the good theme plus the the table presence can really start to pull some people in are there any other examples that you can think of of like cool table presents uh for board games or for gateway games
1: um i think uh what uh S- santori have you played yes. santori, the, like sort yes. of like greek you feel like kind of building yeah santorini that's that santorini yeah. um which actually i was kind of going back and forth on that game because i think that game that's not let's see is that a two-player game it is a two-player game you can play and four, it but it's,
0: it's like it's 90 yeah. played as a two-player game yeah
1: right and i, I think two-player games overall struggle to be gateway games you know because i think people need to feel like the the game night feel like that that's why we love the, yeah the community and that's why we love the hobby is the game night feel and two-player games don't give you that so i think like a game like Santor- Santorini will kind of struggle to be a gateway game um but the, the feeling of like oh yeah I'm gonna like physically build with like pieces that can be that can be super rewarding yeah. um any game that's like tactile like I don't know if I think quacks would be a step above a gateway game but it is like tactile enough to yeah. be like okay it doesn't maybe have like a board presence but it has like a physical interaction presence that's so gonna be probably rewarding to a new ish player no King of Tokyo yeah.
0: King King of Tokyo is a good one that's King a good of Tokyo like, is a yeah. really good gateway game
1: and it has this stellar theme where it's like, "Hey, do you want to be like freaking Godzilla?" And yeah, you're like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I want. I that. do.
0: <laughs> I want that
1: a lot. <laughs> oh, and I can beat up like your like crazy octopus thing. Like, yeah, I want to do that too. You know? Like, yeah, it, it just sells really easy for like a gateway game.
0: Yeah, that that's a really good point. I I really like King of Tokyo, in that sense. Like it mm-hmm. it, it gets them to that next step. Uh, yeah, and then like the the my next point that I had on. Uh, t- or on gateway games, which is gateway games really strive when they are cooperative or semi-cooperative games. Mm. Where if you have someone who's played a lot of games playing a competitive game against someone who has not played a lot of games, that can feel very bullying. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah, sure. if it's a cooperative game, like Pandemic does this well, if you can do like a A semi-cooperative game like Wavelength or something like Mm -hmm. that where people feel like they're contributing but they're not losing by themselves or they're not winning by themselves I think that that really does elevate the gateway game to the next level in my opinion
1: yeah Yeah, I think it's a really great point especially because uh, if if it is not something like that it needs to in my opinion be something that um, somebody feels like they at least had a chance of winning Um, like we i think we use seven wonders as a gateway game sometimes but it's probably first of all a little bit more complicated than a a gateway game should be yeah second of all it's 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 it fails that kind of litmus test of like if i am playing seven wonders with all new players i will win every time like yeah i've I've played too much seven wonders there's not enough luck in it like there needs to be more (laughs) luck involved games that are like simpler like azul or splendor it's like i will probably still win those because i'm experienced in them and they that there is an advantage to being experienced but they're not games where i think the best player necessarily was like guaranteed to win every time like there are luck involved in the games and they're simple enough scoring to where somebody can feel like they have a grasp on it and maybe they didn't lose because um they're just like inexperienced like maybe they felt like they were like that close you know and that makes them want to play a second time and that's really important yeah
0: i think if you can get someone to say i want to play that again You've done good on your gateway game quest, right? So, right. Yeah, you hooked a fish.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got him. <laughs> you gave out
0: the free sample. Now, right? <laughs> get them coming back.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh, they subscribed for the one month free sh- subscription. You know? oh, Got him.
0: Huh. Got him. So we've talked a lot about like good gateway games, and I think we've kind of hinted at it, but let's explicitly talk about some things that you don't want to see in a gateway game. Like what what are mm-hmm. bad qualities of a gateway game? Like overcomplex is kind of the obvious one. But are there any yeah. other traps that you could fall into when you think that this is a gateway game, but it may be not actually be a good gateway game?
1: Yeah, I think um the so the uh, we were talking about like kind of like the co-op comp- like the co-op competitive feel can be really beneficial to a gateway game, um or even just straight like co-op games. Um, something that I, I think is a common mistake is like social deduction games where it feels like, you are on a team together because you're like one member of a team, um, but there can be this really dangerous, like someone feels like they're out on their own, right? Someone could have a really bad experience being like the chameleon yep. and chameleon. Yep. Um, and they're like, I just, I feel overwhelmed. And I don't know what to do. Spyfall can kind of do that too, where someone can have a really bad experience in their first time in Spyfall because they like feel like they screw it up in the first time and they don't, you know, they, they feel alone. They feel like on an Island and they feel um, like everybody else knows what's going on and, and they're losing because they're the ones that don't. They also, I think, typically like don't they fail on that like are they generating more interest in the hobby typically social deduction games do not have mechanics that are common to other games and so someone can't say oh i really enjoyed this aspect of the game and then i can't say well then you might enjoy this other game let's try that there's no like connections that are being made
0: yeah that that's a great point anything that kind of singles somebody out yeah could be a trap especially yeah. if it's the first time that they've played like yeah. i think of betrayal at house on the hill as a simpler game Mm-hmm. but if it's the first person's time at the table, then you don't necessarily want them to be the betrayer yeah. in betrayal at house on
1: the hill. Yeah. Cause, Cause now, now you're like, like, okay, now go into that other room and read that book by yourself. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's,
0: that's very off putting. Yeah. And so I, th- I think you could modify that a little bit to say like social deduction games, similar to like secret Hitler or the resistance, where even if you are the bad person or the bad person, the, 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 antagonist mm-hmm. yeah if you have someone on your team at least you're not saying a...
1: hitler is a bad person by the way yeah <laughs> like, oh, i was thinking more of like people. the resistance like the, the oh okay yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah my my
0: mind went already to the next game <laughs> yeah yeah hitler is a bad person i will stand here and defend that point so anyways <laughs> let let there be no confusion where fantasy and flight stands on if hitler was a bad person uh, <laughs> So um, he, he was, he was, uh, but like, if if you could, if you could be the antagonist in one of those social deduction games, but on a team, I think that's a mm-hmm. much safer bet than saying, Hey, you have to deceive everybody else on the, at this table. Yeah. Cause that's sure. hard. That's, that's really, really hard to like tell someone to do. And, and that is, I think actually worse than a fully competitive game.
1: Yeah. So if I you're gonna agree.
0: do a cooperative if you're gonna do a gateway game, you either go full co full competitive, or you go semi cooperative. And if there's a chance that the person that has never played a game before to be on the antagonist side, that someone's there with them, mm-hmm. because yeah. nothing feels worse than being secluded in a hobby that you've already been that you're not already inclusive with, right? Yeah, so, sure. so, sure. so, so I yeah, I think that's a good point
1: yeah and i think the good thing about gateway games like i said most of the people who are going to listen to this podcast are already in the board game hobby you probably have a game that you can look back to and say like that was the first time i played a board game that was different and i enjoyed it so you already kind of know what a gateway game is most of the time like your gateway game will work as a gateway game you know like it worked on you like it's gonna it's probably gonna work on somebody else yeah um like so that that's a good thing just to like fall back on is like if you can if you don't already own it, just like purchasing whatever was, was your gateway game um and, and starting there if you don't know. But
0: but not your gateway game specifically, Dalton, right? Like you you had a rough <laughs> What was your gateway <laughs> game again?
1: We talked I think we talked about it in the very first episode <laughs> that my gateway game was actually Twilight Imperium. And that's not Which like is me not just a being good gateway shitty. game. That's, a that ter- that's a the game. worst. It's the <laughs> it, it checks out on theme. Like it's got, oh yeah, hell yeah! Let's and table presence. It's, it's, like, it's cool. Yeah, like, table presence. You want to know what's
0: going on? <laughs> yeah,
1: but way too complicated. But I don't know. Like with my friend group and with where I was in high school, and it, it was like it, it hit at a really good time for me. Like it totally worked. Um, but I would never use it as a gateway game for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, I think my second game was actually maybe your gateway game. So my like second game was Dominion. Was that your?
0: That was my gateway game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and that one actually does work. I think like Dominion can definitely qualify as a gateway game.
0: Absolutely, and Dominion is probably on the heavier side of gateway games. But when yeah. I think we got into games, that was the gateway game of choice. Yeah, and and. For, for people listening to this podcast who play a lot of games, kind of what I like to do when I'm playing with new players, even if it's not necessarily a gateway game, maybe it's the next step from a gateway game, is I like to try out those fringe strategies. So things that I wouldn't yeah. do if it's a highly competitive game, but something that just kind of like seems fun. So like Fool's Gold in Dominion, whereas like if you have two of these Fool's Gold in your hand, you can discard them for like three gold or something like that, which like... I don't know if that's the exact wording of the card, but it's like something yeah, that's basically like,
1: like that. The second fool's gold counts as like four gold or, so, or, four yeah, or something. yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or three oh, I was thinking of treasure a treasure map of four or something like that. I
0: was thinking of treasure map.
1: You were thinking um, of treasure map where you yeah. can like, trash it to get more golds. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's like, it, it's probably not the best strategy out there, but it's a lot of fun, and it's <laughs> yeah. like if you can hit it, and it's like, and that that way, it's like you don't play the optimal game, but you play the fun game, and that's mm. what you're really trying to get when you have people like at the table for the first time
1: so with that do you want to hop to recommendations
0: yeah let's let's do some recommendations so i think it's hard to do a low medium and high complexity recommendation for gateway games considering they're all supposed to be low complexity so dalton came up with a great idea for recommendations (laughs) dalton you want to run us through what we're going to do for recommendations this episode
1: yeah, so what we're going to do is, um, is we are going to run through the six kind of main mechanics that we've covered already in the in the podcast. So co-op games, deck builders, worker placement, asymmetrical player powers, area control. Oh shoot, I'm missing one.
0: And cooperative.
1: Did I not say cooperative? I don't know. I don't know. I may have already said cooperative. Either way, I, I know we've been. <laughs> Either way, I, I don't. I don't know. Either way, we, we each have three. <laughs> we each have three. That's the important thing. We each have three, and we're going to walk through them. I think uh, this time, do you want to just alternate instead of doing the snake draft thing?
0: Yeah, let, let's just alternate. So, do you want to start?
1: Yeah, I'll start us off. So, first one I have tonight. We'll start off with cooperative games. We had said in our cooperative games episode that cooperative games typically, and we mentioned tonight, they typically make really good gateway games. And so, the one that came to mind totally. for me was yeah. So, the one that came to mind to me was uh, Pandemic. I think yeah, Pandemic is a is a. First of all, it's almost a classic gateway game at this point. Like it's yep. kind of old enough to just like fit as a classic gateway game. Um, there are other others that could function well. Mysterium uh, could be one. Uh, a couple of Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, like some other kind of simpler games that could qualify as a gateway game. But I think Pandemic, like you said earlier, it will always bring to the table everyone to the table because it has like this really approachable theme. It has a really short teach it ha- it introduces you though to asymmetrical player powers to like yeah. you know, kind of different movement on a board to the idea of working in a cooperative like setting and and honestly like it was one of the f- it was early on in the games that we bought in college like we you know we got like dead of winter seven wonders pandemic like it was it was early in that kind of like okay let's get serious about this kind of phase yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and I, I think it just like it works really well for that it does have like expansions i think that's probably a waste of time like where you would probably go next yeah. if, if you hooked somebody if you hadn't already played legacy like pandemic legacy i think that would be the natural place to like kind of progress to because it starts as a normal pandemic game, so it's going to be like fairly approachable to them. But then it will add complexity and mechanics in kind of like a a way that's like slow and understandable. Um, and it will give you the opportunity to have like kind of a recurring game night with this person and kind of hook them into the hobby that way.
0: Yeah, that that's the best way to hook them. It's just like, hey, you have to come back for at least eleven more games. So, <laughs> <laughs> or else we cannot continue without you. So guilt right. them in. I guess that's another good point is if you can guilt them into coming back, that's, <laughs> that's, that's one I'm way sure to get it. more people to play with you. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely.
0: I love it. No, I, I pandemic is a great, that, that was my first cooperative game. It was yeah. actually my second game after dominion and it teaches you hand management. It's, uh, it's just such a good game and it is a classic. I think they just put out like the 10th anniversary edition. So like it, it's been out for a while mm-hmm. and, um, And now they have three legacy games off of it. And Mm -hmm. it's like there's a special place for Pandemic in this hobby because it has done a lot for this hobby. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that it's done a lot for this hobby and I don't think many people would say it's their favorite game.
0: Yeah. It it used to be my favorite game. Yeah. But it's not my favorite game because it showed me what games could be. Like I don't – For sure. Because it's – oh, I like – these game I like Spirit Island more than Pandemic. Because, yeah. but I would not like Spirit Island if I had not played Pandemic.
1: For sure. For because sure. It... and I think a lot of our like Mech ratings will probably reflect that, where we kind of <laughs> yeah. These are, these are going to be games that we've kind of like. You, you use the term "grow out of," and I think that that's a good term because it's it's not that like we're more mature and we play better games now, but it's they're just stepping stones. Yeah, they're stepping stones, and and as we've gotten more into the hobby, we enjoy complexity and we enjoy um replayability in games which typically comes from like diversity and strategy and, and simpler games often don't have that and so pandemic for me uh mechanics ended up at a, at a seven i do think it's like a mechanically very sound game nice. um, experience ended up at a at a six uh, which is like mostly coming from the fact that it's like your really good first intro to a co-op game um components ended up at a four um, which i think is fair i think it probably has room to improve there um for an yeah. over overall of 5.2 and like I said, I think a lot of times that's where gateway games for me are going to land, where they're kind of in that five to six, like, almost average feeling for yep. my personal experience now. But they, like you said, when we first started out, Pandemic would have been, like, top of the list for us. You know, it would have yep. been... absolutely. It, w- it would have been, like, eights in all the categories or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that that is one of the notes that I had, is, like, these ratings are going to feel low in the sense mm-hmm. of what we normally rate games, but that's just because... Like I pref- we prefer the higher complexity games, and so these may not be as enjoyable for us. There aren't as many decisions mm-hmm. to make, and therefore they're just going to naturally be lower. That does not mean that we don't like these games. Like a five is an average in our system, and so mm-hmm. something that scores over a five is better than average. <laughs> so just remember this. that. So I I think that's a great cooperative recommendation. I I would never not recommend Pandemic as a gateway game. Yeah, I, I think that's a great absolutely. one. So, so
1: which uh, which mechanics are you taking us to next?
0: I'm going to go deck builder. So okay. deck builder are our, our kind of both our gateway games because I don't consider Twilight Imperium a gateway game <laughs> is was Dominion. And yeah, yeah, I explicitly sure. did not choose Dominion for this recommendation just because we've talked about it a lot. Yep. And this uh this recommendation is actually going to be uh Quest for Eldorado so oh nice. this is yeah 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 so this is actually a newer game to me um which is kind of funny because it's i i do feel like it works as a gateway game which it's like a it's under a two waiting rating on board game geek so it's not mm-hmm. complex and it kind of incorporates the thing that i like about dominion which is a fixed supply um, mm-hmm. of it's a deck building fixed supply and so for quest for el dorado you're moving a, a person along a map based on the cards that you draw from your deck to try and reach Eldorado first. And this could be going over water. This could be going through sand. This could be going through, like, forest. And you have to have specific cards in your hand to make it through the water. So maybe, like, this is, like, rapids, and you need three paddles worth to move into this space. And so it's, it's very easy to grasp. It's very, like, straightforward, and it's a race game. So it, mm-hmm. it's pretty short, which is nice. Um, and it has a fixed supply, so you can do this kind of same thing. The thing that is different is that once – I think there are only three cards in each stack of cards you can buy. And once that is gone, then a new stack comes in. So it, it's mm-hmm. kind of a mix of a river and a variable supply, which is a nice introduction to all gateway games. Mm-hmm. But it, it's really easy to explain. It's like, hey, in order to move into this space, you have to pay two money. In order to move into this space, you have to have three machetes in your hand. And it's just kind of like, it introduces trashing. So it's like a very um, approachable game in that sense, where it's less than an hour. You can play it multiple times and people will pick up on it quickly and understand all the mechanisms needed to understand uh, deck building games.
1: I, I think that's. I think it's a great replacement to Dominion, I guess is the word for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. a gateway game, because it's basically Dominion with a board. Um, and... But the good thing about that is it has a better theme because um, yep. Dominion is like, I'm making a feudal realm, I guess. I don't know. Like I'm, you know, I'm a midland, like a mid tier noble. Like that's the theme. Whereas this one's like, it's like, you're on a quest. and it, it like the cards that you're getting in Dominion, there's a lot of reading of cards and understanding what their interactions mean. And quest like very much simplifies that. It's like, do you want to travel over yep. water? You need paddles. Like that's it. You know, it's all like a symbol. There's no words. And so it like, it very much like simplifies that, and then the, but there's also still like replayability coming from, the fact, like you said that first of all like the river is going to be different. You're going to be getting different opportunities, but also the board changes. Like the board is modular, and you can set yeah. it up for different quests basically.
0: Yep, um, and that's a
1: great point. So you, yeah, so you can like when you play it again, you're not just like setting the same game up and trying again. Like you actually the player is like, okay, what did I learn last time, and and how do I apply that to this like new setup? And I have to make these like different decisions this game than I made last game.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. I think yeah, that that's a great point that. The, the board is modular, so it does require you to make different decisions each game. Yeah, for sure. So, for mechanics, I had a 6.5. Uh, mm-hmm. For experience, I had a 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, and components, I had a 7, just because I love the theme. <laughs> like, I think, <laughs> I think like if I strip theme about out of this, the components would be a little bit lower. The cards are not full-size cards. They're the, the I don't know, quarter-size cards. Yeah, yeah. The, um, and like the the tiles aren't you know excellent, but like the theme is just I think it's fun. Just like searching for El Dorado, I think is fun, and so that brings the overall to a six point eight. So it's point 0.1% off. Nice, yeah, so. off
1: the nice. <laughs> I do think that the, like the quarter size cards are a weird choice for that game. It's like why didn't right. you use a deck builder? Like why didn't you just make the full size cards? It, like especially
0: because it's the standard size of a board game box, right? Like you're right, right. Just make them bigger. Just <laughs> just <make them> <laughs> go burn them. Just make it larger like <laughs> <laughs> three people understand that reference and i love them so <laughs> <laughs> all right moving you know, on from bo, i
1: have to follow up bo burnham now thanks yeah man. it's like our Sorry all-time favorite yeah. comedian <laughs> man
0: yeah so what That's do you right. got
1: next i think next i'm going to i'm gonna go to asymmetrical player powers um oh okay yeah pandemic yeah, so, again <laughs> right, <thought> <laughs> Pan, yeah just can i do pandemic for all three of my recommendations <laughs> no uh my recommendation here would be Tokaido have you played Tokaido I have yeah I I uh. really like Tokaido I I have it as a mobile app I've actually never played it with anyone I've like only wait. played it on like, a mobile app
0: yeah sorry wait is Tokaido the one with the panda
1: I, but I think there's a wait no like no, is no, no, it no, no, the bamboo not. one no it's not the bamboo one there's
0: Tokaido I, one and one Takenoko second. and I always get them confused Tokaido yeah, is I mean, the one where it's like you're progressing along like the road, yes. And you get food. Okay, yeah. No, I have played that one. I have not okay. played the one with the panda. <laughs> Sorry, oh, I, I haven't played that one either. Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I um, so uh, it's a very simple game. So in Tokaido, basically, like you said, you are tra- you're playing a traveler who is traveling across Japan, like feudal Japan, and you're basically trying to have the best vacation possible. Like that's the Hell idea. Yeah. And so you're trying to visit the most, like buy the most souvenirs you know visit the most like scenic locations eat the best food like that's kind of like what you're trying to do and so over the game the game is set out as like a road if there's any traveler at a given location you can't stop there and so the way the game will work is there will be like kind of the other travelers will be on the road in front of you and if they are in locations that you want to be at you can't stop there you have to like skip ahead of them Um, and it basically becomes a set collection game um, where it introduces set collection as a scoring mechanic i'm going to try and collect all of the mountain range scenic locations. And if I if yeah. I do that, if I visit all the mountain ranges, um, then I get like a certain number of bonus points for doing that. If I collect like all one of each type of souvenir, there's like four different types of souvenirs I have to stop at shops to do that. Then like it, it goes, uh, it has like an increasing scoring mechanism where you get like one for the first one, then three, five, and seven points for the last point of the, or the last souvenir in the set. And then you all have to like stop at it, like an inn for the night that works as like a checkpoint so that all the players restart from the same location and you do that four times you basically like work over four like quote days which are signified by those checkpoints where you all have to stop at the like inn for the night and so basically on your turn all you're doing is moving and and so it's a very simple decision in terms of reaction you know you're going to move and past that you just have to understand the scoring but which is like kind of complicated because set collection is always complicated but it's also a really important game mechanic to understand
0: absolutely across
1: yeah it's like just a lot of games take advantage of it so it's stripped of all complexity except for the set collection Um, and i think that's a good place to kind of invest in complexity and all of this is now the only thing that's added to that is that you have an asymmetrical player power right Um, which we haven't quite talked about yet even though it's the recommendation for this category (laughs) Um, where your player power your maybe your person gets like uh, a discounted souvenir or they uh collect an additional scenic route every time they go to an inn they can like pretend that they went to a different like scenic location or something like that so it's not going to be one of the game-breaking player powers but it is going to give the player just a little bit to do you know they're going to be like okay i know that this is set collection i know that there's a lot going on but you are the souvenir guy like that's your thing you know it gives you a path yeah it gives you a path right it gives you a way through set collection that helps the new player kind of give it gives them something to focus on and so I think for that reason, it's a really good introduction to what asymmetrical player power like adds primarily to a game.
0: I have not played that game in forever, but yeah. I think it also nails the table presence uh, point oh, that we were talking absolutely. about earlier. It is a beautiful game, like because when you're collecting the scenic routes, it you know, you have like I don't remember exactly. I think they're like tarot sized cards. Maybe they're standard size cards of the scenic routes that builds this beautiful scenery and it's just like uh i think i I don't know if all the editions have it but the edition that i played with had like the metal coins and it was just like it was very fun to just like touch it and like feel it Mm -hmm. and like see it on the table it has this really long narrow board which is pretty cool to see but Mm -hmm. yeah no that's that's a great recommendation that i had not thought about for a long time until you just said that name
1: (laughs) (laughs) probably because it's not the type of game we would buy but it is the type of game that like works really well as a gateway game absolutely Um, so mechanics overall i have uh, mechanics at a 6.5 experience at a 6 and components at an 8 like you were talking about i think the components is really where this one shines in in theme and in the metal coins and in the tarot sites cards and all that um so that gives it an overall of 6.6 it's definitely worth Having having it on the shelf as a as a way to introduce games to new players.
0: Very nice. Yeah, no, that's a great recommendation that I would have never thought of. So awesome. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> All right, you're up. What uh what mechanic are you tackling next?
0: So I I got the unfortunate pull of worker placement for gateway <laughs> games. And worker <laughs> placement is not an easy gateway game or not an easy genre to provide a gateway game for. Because I really think not? worker placements is typically pretty heavier games. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I went with a game, like I I was just trying to find a game and I, I I couldn't find one. and I finally settled on one, which is not a game I love. It's it's I think it's a really good worker or it's a really good worker placement gateway game. However, it's not a game that I enjoy because I played it a little bit into my board game career, and that's Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, okay. So Lords of Waterdeep yeah, that's
1: is a good a option, game. Actually, that's a really
0: good choice. Yeah, it, it's a very simple game. Or okay, let me rephrase that. It's it's not a very simple game. It's a very simple worker placement game. It's a very it's it's a game that introduces the mechanics very well. Mm-hmm. Um Absolutely. in Lords of Waterdeep you're playing like a someone who's paying adventurers to go on quests. So like in D and D you're going on the quest and in Lords of Waterdeep you're playing the person that's sending the adventurers on the quest. It's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. uh so it's a it's an interesting theme. It's actually a Dungeons and Dragons game. Like, it's branded Mm -hmm. as that. Uh, But Lords of Waterdeep is a worker placement game where you're trying to find adventurers and send them on quests in order to score victory points and build buildings and all of this good stuff. Right. Um, The the couple of times I've played, it's fallen a little flat for me. But I think Mm. that is also because I have been a little bit further on and I've enjoyed the more complex worker placement games. And this, this one introduces the mechanics very well. And that's why it's my recommendation is it's, it's a great introduction to worker placement.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a good one. I I remember playing Lords of Waterdeep and it was my first worker placement game that I played. And so it was my first, it wasn't even a gateway game, but it was my like intro into worker placement. Um, And I remember realizing like, I want to play more worker placement games. Like I didn't know what the mechanic was (laughs) called at the time. But it was such a good, clean introduction to it that I was like, I instantly became obsessed with this idea of like, okay, um, flipping scarcity on its head, right? The idea yeah. of like, I'm not resource limited, I'm like action limited, um, where a lot of yep. games are the other way. Yep, yep, yep. And and that was just like such a like when I did it the first time, I was like, oh, like my actions are the things that's valuable, like in just the way that that made my mind kind of like think through games. I was like super interested in it. But I, I also like like you're saying, I kind of like I graduated out of or from that game into other worker placement games because we didn't own it. So we didn't play like a ton of it. Yeah. But I really liked it for that reason. It also doesn't, it has like, it has been a long time. Doesn't it have like a, like a secret objective or, or secret reward system type thing? Going yeah, on? it
0: does. So it's like, there are quests that you send people out on and based on your secret objective, it's like, you want to get so many of this type of quest or so many of mm-hmm. this type of Uh, building is another one. So there is a little bit of secret objective, which kind of adds to that ambiguity of how many points are being scored at the end of the game, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. and and it also, it adds sort of like uh, APP, it adds a little bit of direction for new players, right? Where it's like, okay, yes, I know there's a lot you can do in this game.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I know there's a lot you can do in this game, but like, here's a specific type of quest for you to like go after, you know? And it gives them that little bit of direction. And so- um, yeah i think it's an excellent choice as a uh, as a gateway game uh, do you have a mech rating
0: yeah i do so mechanics added a 5.5 5, it is slightly above average for me it's mm-hmm. it is what it is it's a worker placement game and it's an introduction to worker placement games for, for sure. experience added a 5.5 5, i enjoyed the game the second time i played it a lot more than the first time i played it and yeah. then for components at a 7.5 i just think that the i think it's a unique theme uh, yeah. and, and the components aren't horrible. Mm-hmm. The components, I, I would even venture to say, are okay. Uh, <laughs> may I be so bold?
1: You,
0: um, <laughs> going out on a limb there. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like. No, so this is huge. our professional
1: integrity on the line. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I am willing
0: to lay it on the line. So <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, so like components are a 7.5. I like the theme. The components could be upgraded physical components that is sure. um, for an overall of a 5.7
1: so as opposed to the imaginary components
0: or the theme, <laughs> the theme is kind of what I was going against
1: <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant but I just I don't know that sounded really funny damn it <laughs> you're, you're right though that is it is a really good theme especially like going back to bringing in the new players it's a really good like hey do you want to send adventures on quests like it yeah yeah, yeah. in a fantasy realm like it, it just it checks out absolutely totally all right so back to me so i have uh area control slash dudes on a map and si- and That's similar to your one. worker placement yeah similar to your worker placement i could not think of a good like dudes on a map like example because they're so like if, if there's a dudes dude it has to be like a combat mechanism and then there's like okay all all these like things get involved and it gets well outside of a five minute teach right it becomes
0: oh, very yeah. hard yeah
1: gateway game so I think I think that mechanism is probably not suited to being a good gateway game it's also extremely competitive and cutthroat and things that make like make it just yep. bad as a gateway game so focusing more on the area control part of that episode we talked I, I don't even remember if we talked in that episode about Bosk I think we did but that's a gorgeous game oh my yeah gosh. first of all really pretty game you get a squirrel which is really fun a big old yeah absolutely squirrel. yeah <laughs> and, and Bosk is basically like you're playing the role of like trees, I guess. And you want to like grow trees and be like the prettiest trees and maybe like the most prolific trees. And so basically the way it works, there's like kind of like two phases. There's like a phase where you like, sort of like quote, like grow your trees and you like place trees of like different height. Um, And they are like actually different. They're modeled after different types of trees and they have like different colors. And so the game, as you like place your trees on this board, uh, going back to like table presence, you end up with this 3D board where you have all these like trees that are like kind of growing on it. And then it has a very simple area, just strictly area control scoring mechanism that's very easy to teach and understand. And then there's kind of a second phase of the game where all your big trees are removed and you are kind of like dropping leaves from them Um, and they cover a certain amount of the ground. And if you control like you're using those leaves to control areas on the board and if you control enough of them, then you get more points in the kind of the second phase of scoring. Um, Probably once you know how to play probably like what a 20 minute game. I mean, very, very
0: short. Yeah, short, short game.
1: Yeah, short game. It's basically just an introduction into how area control scoring works, um, but it is very pretty. I think it checks out the theme just because uh, because of the, I guess, aesthetic and because of the three D components. You know,
0: absolutely, it brings you into the table. I, yeah, like
1: it's very inviting.
0: Yeah, at Gen Con, like I walked by and I was like, "Ooh, what is that?" Like mm-hmm. that is literally what got me to purchase that game. Is like, "Ooh, ooh," like let me yeah. let me see what that is. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. And that's a really good point. Just like the walk by factor, almost where like, and and someone could stand there, and you could like, as other people taking their turn, you could like explain like, okay, here's how you play this game, and you could just like very quickly say like, so here's what we're trying to do. So I think I'm going to do this, you know, and then like they could look and be like, oh, I could do that, and then you could be like, you want to play? And 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 all of a sudden you got them right.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You
1: constructed this whole situation just to hook them in, and now you got them. (laughs) Free samples. Yeah, for sure, free samples. Um, so it's it's another game where like experienced players like there's there's just not enough depth and content for us to really enjoy it over multiple plays. But I, I know that like you and I have used it as like a filler game again when like we're waiting for another table to finish on a game night. Like we, it's very naturally fit yeah. in that spot of like yeah, let's play a game of Bosk. Why not you know? And like we'll be talking <laughs> over top of it most of the time. It doesn't require all of our attention. And then like we score it, and we're like oh like I guess I lost you know. But it, like we have yeah to yeah again.
0: exactly. I, I think Bosk is a phenomenal recommendation for area control, especially in a category that is so hard to come up with
1: gateway games for. So yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Good. So mech rating for that one. Um, mechanics yeah. I have it a six. Experience I have it a five. You'll notice a lot of our <laughs> rankings are hanging yeah. out in this like six to five. It's like it's just good enough for us to call it, a, uh, you know, an average game or even a good game um components i do have at a seven um that could even maybe be increased a little bit because it does have like the good nice 3d components it gives you like this pretty wood squirrel that you get to place on the board um the leaves and the colors (laughs) are really pretty um so components potentially could go up from there um overall that brings us to a 5.7
0: yeah no it's a great recommendation and absolutely i would i would recommend that for anyone that's interested in a uh, area control game for sure it's a a good one yeah so final recommendation goes to me Take right? us home. I think this so is the right. This is the
1: category that I forgot. I okay, so earlier. this is engine building.
0: Uh, engine building. That's. I don't think I said. Engine, engine building is the one that uh, is also like so many games incorporate engine building into yeah. into their core mechanics, which is nice because if you can find a sweet gateway game, it really opens the door to a lot of more you know, stepping stone games. So yeah, like absolutely. I think I think like, these are you know, probably
1: some of the strongest uh gateway games in that sense in terms of the, yeah, the, second, absolutely. the second leading into the second game.
0: Yeah. So you recommended Century Spice Road in our engine building episode for our low complexity and I recommended Race for the Galaxy in our mm-hmm. low complexity, mm-hmm. which is nice because I would have recommended Century Spice Road mm. uh, in this slot, but you already took that because I thought that you were gonna take uh splendor (laughs) i really thought that you were going to recommend splendor for engine building yeah and so i i am recommending splendor because i think that splendor is one of the better gateway games out there not Mm -hmm. just for engine building but for any any gateway game i i think that splendor does a really good job of um you know having interesting components in the sense of, like, you have these wooden chips, it's not, like, the greatest components I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just like cards. But, like, what I really like about Splendor is that me, I would still enjoy playing Splendor today. Yeah. Because it's, it's got this kind of feel where it's, it, it makes it feel like there are interesting decisions going on. It's a fully competitive game. It's like, there's no semi-cooperative elements in this. But it's got a a a sense of simplicity but com- but uh complexity at the same time where it's mm-hmm. like like the decisions that you make are simple but the stri- the strategy that you have has long-term consequences mm-hmm. and i think that especially if you are able to kind of introduce a new player and like play multiple games with them they will grow to understand that mm-hmm. and i think that that is exactly what you need in an engine building game to get you to that next stepping stone game, for engine building. So Splendor, you're playing, uh, you're you're like gathering gems and turns, yeah. and like the gems are like these components, of like poker chips, and you're using these gems to like hire, or like get buildings or nobles to score you victory points at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And what the engine building aspect comes in is like you can. Take gyms during your turn and then you can I, – I think they're like buildings. I don't quite remember, but I think they're like buildings. They're like, hey, like I'm building this building, which automatically gives me a white gym every single turn. Mm-hmm. And then so now if you have two white gym chips and a white gym building, you have three white gyms that you can then spend to buy a better building. Or you can buy a noble, which is the victory points that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so the the elements are there to like really push for the engine building. It's like, hey, like you can go for the short-term gains, but you'll quickly realize that just having a lot of resources is not the winning strategy. You need to figure out how to convert those resources into better resources or convert those better resources into victory points. Yeah. And, I think and it that... also
1: like, it forces you to have to address this trade-off between like, am I going to invest in my engine or invest in victory points? Because yep. I have also seen new players grab like like tier two and even tier three cards early, like reserve them and spend the game trying to buy them, you know, and over the course of the game, realize that in the time they spent trying to just buy this single thing worth like three victory points other players have like established themselves in the engine and they haven't bought any victory points yet, but all of a sudden they're buying like one, two, three, four, you know, like victory point cards like very quickly and all of a sudden like their Absolutely. engine is taken off. You know, yep. and so like it forces players to kind of like uh see that trade off in action, I guess. And that becomes obviously a very critical element in like all engine building games is that like that decision.
0: When to figure out when to ramp
1: it yeah, is ramp, huge yeah.
0: and when window- to like understand and if you can translate that into other games it's a great game to get you to the next level yeah um yeah which, um, it, really... which is a little unfortunate because i played splendor after i played a lot of engine
1: building games <laughs> yeah right so <laughs> i i i have thought that same thing i like, man, i wish i found splendor like earlier in my career i guess <laughs> yeah um but i i think that splendor is potentially like the strongest recommendation on this list I have had like you said for, for two reasons. One, like you said, that I continue to enjoy Splendor and it's maybe one of the only yep. ones on this list that I consistently enjoy, even though I'm an experienced gamer. And then the second would be it's the only game that I know of that like I have introduced to someone as a gateway game. They have then bought and then introduced to someone else as like a gateway game. Nice. You know what I mean? Like the person that's, that I infected that's so satisfying
0: (laughs) right right, exactly that you have infected i love it yeah the person that
1: i infected bought splendor and then infected more people and then they bought splendor like i have like splendor like grandchildren by this point and maybe even great grandchildren
0: (laughs) (laughs) well i love that metaphor yeah (laughs) so
1: and and, i mean one other thing about splendor of like the games that we've talked about it may also be the cheapest like splendor is like 20 bucks at target you know
0: yeah, yeah, it's super Light. accessible, super cheap, yeah, easy to find.
1: For sure, for sure. Totally, yeah.
0: So I've been into my mech rating for Splendor. I have mechanics at a 6.5, experience at a 6, and components at a 4. Um, and I think that the reason the components l- is so low is because of the stupid size of the box of
1: Splinter, and I have heard this so many times. Yeah, and
0: I don't know. I, I'm sure I've talked about it before on the podcast, but like Splinter has the st- stupidest size of box I've ever seen in my life. Where like I've seen things on like uh, online of like 3D printed boxes for Splinter, which like cut the box size down to like like two decks of card size. Mm-hmm. And yet it has the size of a box of like half of a normal game. And it just like drives me
1: insane. It's because people like, want to buy bigger games. They think that they have more value. So like marketing wise, it makes and sense. And that's
0: dumb. People are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I will die on this hill, but
2: I no, agree and, with you.
0: <laughs> and I understand people want the bigger game boxes. Yeah. Like, but whatever, like <laughs> I, I have limited space on my shelf. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and that's I wonder- what determines how many board games i can buy <laughs>
0: exactly and i want to buy more games and therefore Splinter should be a smaller box prove yeah. me wrong <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, that that brings the overall to 6.0 so yeah. um it, yeah, it's exactly. a good game i i've only played it i don't know probably five times or less mm-hmm like right around five times. So it's like one of those games that I want to play more of. And it's mm-hmm. definitely like, if I had the game, it would be something that I would bring out to the table with new players.
1: Yeah, for sure. All the time. For sure. yeah. I think, I think, uh, if you have it, I would, I would tend away from four player just only because it can be, there can be a lot of downtime. It can be a little bit long. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And new players, um, are sensitive to downtime, I think, and not consciously even, but new players will feel bored in a game because like, they aren't thinking about always their turn when it's not their turn and so they yeah just like when it gets to their turn they'll play and so four new players or i guess you and three new players in a four-player game of splendor it can be very long and they can start to like lose interest you know um yeah totally so that'd be my one yeah, my I, one advice i guess on splendor
0: yeah and that's a that's a really good point so <sighs> i think that wraps you guys up then. yeah no that's, think our, so. that's our
1: six recommendations
0: that's our six recommendations. Uh, Promised,
1: tried and true for gateway games. So
0: games. yeah, I, I think gateway games are so important to this hobby because, like, it, it is a hobby that just gets better with more people that are in it. And I think mm-hmm. I I don't know if that's true with all hobbies, but like, I I definitely think that I want to see more people at game nights. I want to see more people at kind of I want to see more people playing board games because this this is such a great experience that we're having that i want to share with more people and it just gets better with more people so use these six recommendations to bring your non-board game friends into the cult i mean the uh the the group uh (laughs) to play more games it's not a cult (laughs) it's not a cult i promise uh i think uh can you google the definition of a cult real quick let me (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah no i like i i i love introducing people to games and i think that these are g- great recommendations to do so so
1: for sure i'm looking forward to the like the phase in the game night like our like our monthly game night where like we have to have one table dedicated to gateway games you know what I mean? exactly at, at least yeah. kind of thing of like hey we're getting like some like newish players or people are like people who are members are bringing in some friends like make let's make sure that there's at least one table dedicated to that i'm, I'm excited for that phase
0: yeah that'll be really exciting that'll be really exciting maybe we'll get some of these recommendations to the table
1: at that point. Mm. So, I got squandered cool. to the table last time we played.
0: Oh, yeah. So I'm hanging my hat on that. Hey, it's Nelson with a little post-edit note. If you are listening to this on the day it came out or the day after it came out, which is January 14th, then our next game night is actually this weekend. And so if you're free, we'd love to have you come play some games with us on Tabletop Simulator. Thanks. If you haven't joined the game nights, um, <laughs> because yeah, we have a lot of fun. We break up into multiple tables and play whatever. We like. We send out a little survey beforehand. So if you want to play a game, uh, sign up for the game that you want to play, and then we'll get you signed up, and we'll play those. We do those monthly. So. Um, it's kind of exciting to play some new games with people. And even if you don't have the physical copy, you get to play those games. So absolutely.
1: And it's great during a pandemic when you don't have a, like <laughs> regular games. Exactly, yeah. to be able to play online.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Those are normally organized over discord. Yep. So if you're not a member of our discord, go ahead and join our discord channel. Uh, you can find that on our website or in our Instagram uh, link, like in our bio. And if you can find us on any other or any other social media, that'd be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any of that stuff. You can find us where we push, post pictures, fun stuff about games and all of that good stuff. So if you're not following us, go ahead and give us a follow. And other than that, cheers,
1: buddy. Cheers.